trying to make y'all comfortable. Welcome back to the Inside Feed. We are back, people. On today's show, we are joined by Archer's midfielder, Dominique Alexander, to discuss the championship series, the historic inside lacrosse cover, and he hands out a few Archer's team superlatives. Yes. And he's a soon-to-be dad. Soon-to-be dad. I feel like we should probably give an update on us. Yes, so I'm back home in Baltimore for a little while at my parents. Visiting family. It's very humid here. I walked outside for like two seconds today and I was like, this is not going to work for me. But there's, we keep, I've I've like missed mid-afternoon thunderstorms because it does not rain in LA and we've been getting these thunderstorms like every night and I love it. Jealous. (laughs) And my mom just went to the food store so I can't wait to see what she comes back with. Um, <laughs> the food store, the grocery store. <laughs> I call, my mom calls it the food store. That's why I call it the food store. Food store. Yeah. You know. Um, what am I doing? I uh, I'm still in LA. I went to the DMV today. That's probably the most exciting thing. I spent hours there, hours. But I have a registered vehicle in the state of California. Woo! But sad part is I have to get rid of my Texas license plates. I know, I was one of my Maryland ones. I'm getting a California license soon, and I'll be sad when I get rid of my Maryland. I still have five years on mine, so. All right, well, let's not waste any time. Let's get into our interview with Dominique. It's a really good interview. Um, He discusses that inside the cross cover with all of the fellow Black players in our league, the Archers Championship Series run, and we did some fun team superlatives. So here is the interview with Dominique. Please welcome to the show midfielder for the Archers Lacrosse Club, the 2019 recipient of the Short Stick Defensive Midfielder Hard Hat Award, graduate of The Ohio State University, and the best chirper in the PLL, Dominique Alexander. Thanks for having me on the show, ladies. How's it going? Good. How are you? First off, I just have to say, Congratulations, because you and your wife are expecting. Yes, yes, we are expecting uh, baby Alexander. We just thought we're calling. We don't know the gender yet, so we're waiting um, until the baby is born. So we're just calling it baby Alexander. Uh, but yeah, she's due December seventh. So kind of just getting everything ready. Um, you know, just trying to figure out this whole parenting thing. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So just. Taking it, taking it day by day, adding stuff to the nursery. We've got, um, you know, some friends and family helping out with the registry, which has been awesome. Um, my wife's doing great, so I'm not sure if I would necessarily say she's enjoying the pregnancy process, but uh, <laughs> it's going about as smoothly as it could possibly good. And we've had some, you know, really good um, doctor's visits and things like that. So uh, it's exciting. We're, you know, we're looking forward to it, and obviously a little nervous as well because there's no real prerequisite for parenting. We got a dog. <laughs> We got a dog about two years ago, so we used that as like our practice. So the dog's still doing well, so we see how the kid does. Do you have a uh, preference on gender? I feel like most people usually do. Um, actually, not really. Uh, you know, having been around people who have you know had both you know boys and girls and stuff like that, honestly, you know, healthy baby, everything's fine. You know, ten fingers, ten toes. Um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, there's pros and cons to. You know, having a boy or having a girl, um, if you have a girl, you can have some pretty crazy and lit tea parties, you know, <laughs> that side of things. 
Um, and then obviously as a male, you know, having a boy, you can try and steer it to, you know, be interested in sports and things like that. And you can kind of have that father son bond, um, you know, that, you know, everyone has kind of with their dad for the most part. So pros and cons to both. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but we're just, we're excited and, you know, can't wait. We're inside a hundred days right now. So my wife is 26 weeks pregnant. Um, so the countdown, the countdown begins. So exciting. It's going to be here before you know it. Can't wait. Oh, for sure. Okay. So let's switch gears now and talk about the championship series. And let's start with, um, the inside lacrosse cover that we shot at the championship series. How much did that mean to you and to all the other black players in our league to be standing together at the championship series, representing the black community for the sport of lacrosse? Um, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, I think the one thing, um, you know, that, that everyone realized, and it was kind of in the wake of the, um, you know, George Floyd death, right, was that we all had similar experiences. And it was kind of weird because we had, you know, never really talked about them. Like, you know, I've been playing against and with a lot of those guys for a couple of years now. And, you know, you just never really had the conversation, right? So, you know, credit Kyle and Jules really, you know, kind of putting that group together and getting everybody you know, on calls and things like that leading up to the championship series. But it, it was it was good to, to see, you know, and, and be a part of that group. And then obviously, you know, the work that we are going to try and continue to do to move the sport forward and just, you know, in our own communities. And then as like, you know, a whole group of, you know, just making people more aware of, you know, certain topics and, you know, just providing, being that platform and, and providing, um, you know, being a resource for some of the younger generations. Um, I think the sport is, is growing and becoming more diverse. So I, so I think, you know, the power of seeing, you know, that many black lacrosse players, you know, on the cover at one point in time, right, is, hope, is hopefully something that can, you know, younger kids can look up and be like, oh, like, you know, there are people that look like me that play this sport and you know, look at these guys at the highest level. Um, so it's definitely something that we don't take lightly, you know, being on the cover. I mean, anytime you're on the cover of anything, like, it's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, to be on that cover, you know, like I said, with guys that I've you know, been playing against, guys I look up to, like Kyle, um, it, was, it was really something that's really exciting and you know, looking forward to the future. What would you say is the importance of having now created the Black Lacrosse Alliance and how do you think it's going to positively impact the sport? Well, I think I think the first thing is organization, right? You know, I, I think the, the having one platform, having kind of one voice, you know, the organization standpoint is huge, right? Instead of having you know, guys all over the place, you know, trying to do different things and get different groups. Now having, you know, our ideas and our actions funnel through one group that people can identify with um, is huge. And then obviously, you know, guys within the group can utilize their different platforms, right? So it's kind of like a give and take, you know, one hand feeds the other type of thing. Um, and I think the second thing is just, you know, us recognizing, um, you know, things that are going on in our sport, right? You know, whether, you know, be good, bad, or indifferent, right? recognizing things that are going on in our sports so that way you know people that look like us right can see okay these guys are aware of the situations that are going on this is a resource these are role models that you know my son or daughter can look up to um and in providing that kind of platform that outlet for parents because right you know as parents right you know not that i know anything yet but i'm sure you know um you know parents right try and find you know similarities of people for their kids to look up to or, or people um you know, that they can rely on to provide their kids with some guidance in times of need. So, you know, being that voice possibly or, or being those role models um, is huge. And, you know, we're excited about that opportunity um, for kids all across the country who are picking up lacrosse. What other initiatives would you like to see happen or sort of the next steps 
going from here to, you know, continue diversifying the sport? It's tough because you know, the one thing I'm you know, talking to some people is obviously there's a, there's a financial aspect of it. Um, but, you, you know, I think there is room for lacrosse to be still become more diverse. Right? I think there's a lot of people who might be on the fence about playing lacrosse. Uh, and if you can get those people that are on the fence to, you know, buy in and play, I think you'll see, you know, more diversity and things like that. So really just making experiences, you know, positive, right? You know, if you have, you know, a kid who goes back to his community to his friend group and he says he has a terrible time doing something, right? His friends are probably not going to want to join him and go, hey, let's go, you know, waste our time or, you know, be called this or be called that or be treated unfairly, right? So if more kids are having, you know, positive experiences, they're going to go back and tell their friends, right? Recruit their friends to come out and play. Their friends are going to be like, hey, so-and-so had a great time. Why don't I go pick up a stick or go to a practice or go to a camp or a clinic, right? Fall in love with the game the same way that I did and all the guys in the league have. Um, and then you're going to see that, that kind of trickle down and more people become diverse, right? As those kids get older, they have families. They're like, I had a great time playing this sport, right? I want to introduce my kids or my you know, nieces, nephews, cousins to that sport. That's kind of how you have that kind of trickle down effect um, between everyone getting more involved. All right, well, let's switch gears now to the Archers and the championship series and what you guys did. Um, you experienced our inaugural season and then we had this tournament style season. What would you say was the biggest difference for you and for the team between season one and season two? Um, well, so season one, right, it, it's, you know, it was a normal season. Right. It was, you know, week by week. So you're able to kind of gauge what you need to do from a personal standpoint and as a team kind of build on that. Right. You know, with the three week tournament, it's kind of like you blink and it's over. So so I think, you know, being prepared ahead of time um, was a little bit different because we didn't have, you know, we're not going to have a ton of practices or a training camp um, or a couple of games to kind of get into a rhythm. Um, so I, I think leading up to it, you know, guys who had had experience in the world games, right, utilizing technology like Zoom and calls and things like that, you know, staying in touch, whether it be, you know, a team meeting and breaking down film or, you know, just a team, you know, get together, you know, happy hour and stuff like that. And I think obviously we took advantage of those things as we were all quarantined. Uh, and then obviously when we got to Utah, right, getting ourselves acclimated to the new faces, right, we had new guys on defense, new guys on offense. So getting those guys up to speed um, as quickly as possible so we could be ready to play. Um, you know, season one was awesome, obviously, you know, not winning the championship sucks. Um, season two was awesome. Once again, sucks you know, losing, but, you know, especially when you look at things in hindsight and, you know, you're seeing seasons canceled or seasons postponed, right, having that opportunity to play, you know, being able to have, you know, three weeks of hanging out with some of your best friends, right, I think that part was really awesome was, you know, after a game, after a practice, not just getting on a plane and going home, but, you know, going back to the hotel, being able to hang out kind of, we, used to, we called it lacrosse camp, so, you know, it was, kind of an adult lacrosse camp um, atmosphere. But that's something that, you know, a lot of guys who have been playing, you know, in the pros for a while, right, we haven't had that. And college guys, you know, just got done, you know, having that atmosphere for the most part. But, you know, the college guys, we really miss that, you know, just being around our teammates 24-7 uh, and, and enjoying that fellowship and friendship and all that stuff. Y'all had a lot of faces that came in, not a lot, but a good amount of faces that came in that really made an impact for y'all. You know, Grant, Eli, Jack, um, Josh Courier, Christian Mazzone. What, yeah. How important were they for your squad? I mean, they were huge. I mean, Mazzone was averaging like two goals a game the whole entire tournament. That, By the way, no one's talking about that. So that needs to be addressed. I'm <laughs> talking to you guys, media team. 
Um, I mean, that, I mean, he was just flying around making plays, um, you know, adding Eli and Jack to the defense, right? Jack got called, you know, last minute and had to, you know, get out there and, and obviously make plans and be ready to play. Um, and then obviously, you know, everyone was able to see kind of, you know, what Grant uh, and Josh were able to do on the offensive end, right? Contributing, you know, Josh bringing his indoor background um, to our pairs offense and then Grant, you know, just kind of picking up where he left off in college and, you know, making plays and, you know, running by people. Um, so, I mean, those guys were huge. Those, those guys are obviously people we, you know, are going to lean on and look forward to in the future. Um, but, you know, those guys showed up and were professionals and, you know, didn't let the moment get too big. And, you know, the coaching staff did a really good job of communicating to, you know, to them what, you know, they were supposed to do. Um, and we as teammates just embraced them and, you know, tried to just bring them into our team culture. And, and obviously that translated really well on the field. You guys went three and one in group play and then beat Atlas and then played chaos um, in that final semifinal game, played them at a time where they finally figured out like how to, how to get this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, what do you think went wrong in that semifinal game for you guys? Um, I just, we didn't, we didn't play our best game, um, you know, hands down, but at the same time, credit them. Like obviously everyone saw they got hot, you know, and they were clicking on the offensive end, they were clicking on the defensive end. Um, you know, we didn't play our best game, but that's also not to take away from the fact that they played really well in the first half. Um, you know, obviously you'd like to see if there's a little bit more time in that game, a chance for us to come back. Um, but, you know, their offense is, you know, has Canadian influence, a bunch of guys who can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and they were able to figure some things out kind of late in the tournament. Uh, you know, they, every time they put six guys out there, every guy was a threat to score. Um, so it made it really tough on us, you know, in the first half. Uh, to, to kind of figure out kind of what they were doing because they were just kind of, you know, coming out from all different angles. Uh, and then Blaze was amazing in that, right? I mean, obviously, you know, he's the best goalie in our league or one of the best goalies in our league um, for a reason. And, you know, he made it really tough on, you know, a lot of good shooters that we have. And it's just kind of one of those games where we just couldn't find a rhythm, right? We couldn't kind of get the ball to bounce our way. You know, you're, you're hustling, you're trying, but it's just not, you know, happening. Um, so it's really unfortunate. Obviously, you know, definitely looks bad on paper when the, you know, the seven seed beats the whatever we were, three seed. Um, but they're a really good team. And, you know, I don't think we underestimated them. Uh, but like I said, they, they play an awesome game. And, you know, at the end of the day, they deserve to win. They did. I want to bring it full circle from what we were talking about earlier. During National Anthem, y'all, every game kind of stood together some kneeling in the front and some supporting. When did that conversation happen? Um, and how was that conversation? Um, so that conversation happened when we got to um, when we got to Utah. And we had a team meeting before the games. Uh, and, you know, myself, Mark McNeil, Scott Ratliff, um, you know, Austin Sims, we had all talked to our team um, before the tournament, just, just about, you know, some different things that are going on, you know, to give guys a perspective as to, you know, some other, some other, not problems, so to say, but some other things that have come up um, leading up to that situation. Uh, but, you know, in that, in that meeting, we just talked to our team, you know, about various things. And it was, in, you know, open forum, you know, no real set agenda. Um, but the conversation was extremely positive. Um, you know, I think I've got, I'm, I'm blessed to have great teammates who, you know, understand kind of where I've been coming from the last couple of weeks and where other black and cross players have been coming from the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they have allowed me to speak, you know, my mind and ask questions and, and listen. And, you know, obviously I think that, you know, there are a lot of guys that are getting it on our team. Um, but the conversation was awesome. And we just decided that we were going to do something that, you know, just showed unity, right? A lot of guys were like, hey, we, we, we're not, we're not going to do this or do that, but we want to show unity. So we, we came up with that idea. Um, and obviously it translated, you know, really well. And me as, you know, a black lacrosse player, 
feeling that and, and feeling like my team's had my back no matter what I decided to do allowed me to go, you know, make my decision. Same thing for Mark and Scott. You were uh, also this season mic'd up a lot, had a lot to do with last year in your trip. <laughs> do you feel like pressure to uh each game when you're mic'd up to like be on top of your chirp game or do you just like it just comes naturally uh no and, and I talked to uh Paul Brumeister at the beginning of the season and like anyone who's known me uh knows that like that's just always been a part of who I am mm-hmm. um the mic'd up part I, I tr- I'm trying to like work on like keeping it PG because I am a teacher so like the kids yeah. do hear stuff <laughs> so um, I, and then, and then, you know, NBC kind of threw us the curveball. I think they were kind of like leaving our mics on in the background a little bit. So try, try to be a little bit more mindful of what I said. Um, but no, I mean, part of why I chirp is obviously, you know, the psychological part of kind of getting under your opponent's skin. Um, but then also kind of to loosen the mood amongst my own team, right? You know, you know, the heat of the moment guys are, you know, super stressed out. Uh, and then they hear me say something stupid on the sideline. Um, it kind of, you know, relaxes everybody and gets everyone back to, to kind of focusing on playing. Um, but that's always who I've been a part of. You know, if you talk to anybody that I've gone to grade school with, middle school, high school, college, um, that's just part of me. I definitely get that from my dad. Uh, he, you know, I'm an only child, so him and I would always, you know, go head to head, you know, whether it be checkers, chess, um, video games growing up. He's kind of, you know, played that big brother role for me as far as, you know, just being someone I can compete with. Um, so I learned a lot of that from him. And you know, my mom, she's not shy either. So she'll let you have it and, um, you know, let you know about it. So, you know, definitely our family dynamic, um, you know, lends itself to talking some trash and everyone gives it, everyone takes it and you kind of just move on from there. What do your students think of it? Oh, they love it. But it's not any different. Like, I don't, I don't change. Like, I have also talked trash to kids as well. So um, there's no, there's no, there isn't any age limit. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I had work today and I tripped a couple of kids when I was at work today. So, um, you know, like I said, no one's, no one's above, you know, getting chirped from anybody and everybody. Um, so it, it just, they love it, but they know that's who I am, you know, as a teacher. So, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of my personality that I bring into the classroom and, you know, the kids usually respond pretty well from it. And, you know, I teach them a couple of things every now and then and give them some, you know, lines to use when they're playing sports. And they're like, yeah, coach, I, I used that line and I got, really got somebody mad, and, you know, in a game. So, um, you know, it's a full circle educational aspect right there. So, um, you know, the school, schooling and education doesn't stop, you know, just in the classroom. It translates to real life as well. But they've seen some of the videos you guys have put out. And, you know, at first they, they didn't believe it, but now they're, they're fully aware of it for sure. Fingers crossed. B.B. Alexander is just the best chirper ever. I mean, it's going to have to be because it's, I mean, my wife will also chirp you as well. So it's not like, (laughs) once again, there's no, there's no, there's no hiding, you know, from any of that. So she lets, she lets for, you know, for during quarantine, that's the only person I could chirp was her and the dog. So uh, obviously we've been, we've been going at it. You know, she's super competitive. I'm super competitive. Whether it be, you know, ping pong downstairs or, you know, playing different card games and stuff like that or, her beating me, um, you know, all the time in Monopoly. Um, so it's it's definitely just kind of people around me. They know what's going to happen, and sure enough, they're ready. So it just makes things more exciting and more fun, for sure. Behind yourself, who would you say is the second best chirper on the Archers? Oh, oh, hands down, Scott. So, you know, for a while, you know, since, you know, Scott and I have, have a history um, because we played against each other in college for all four years. 
So, you know, for, and, and then, you know, obviously earlier on in our pro career, we were you know, still playing against each other. Um, so him and I have gone, you know, head to head for since 2010 now. Um, so when we saw the, the teams last year, you know, come out and we realized we're on the same team, we both kind of were like, oh boy, it's about to get, it's about to get ugly for some guys on other teams. And we were like, well, I'm glad I don't have to worry about, you know, coming up with lines or things to say to you, you know, on the other sideline. Uh, but, you know, definitely Scott. Scott's, Scott's got some good ones. Um, so him and I usually try and, you know, make lives miserable as we're playing defense for other people. Um, things are going well. Well, that's a perfect segue to our next segment, which is hypothetically speaking. Okay. And I have to credit your teammate, Will Manny, because I was talking to him today and I said that we were going to be interviewing you. Oh, and boy. I was like, oh, are there any, like, inside jokes, like, funny things I should ask him? And he was like, oh, you guys should do, like, a team superlatives um, thing. Yeah, great. That's great. And I was like, (laughs) okay, that's a great idea. Do you want to be our co-host? So um, I'm going to list off some superlatives, and you're going to give us who on the Archers would get this title. Ooh, this is tough, because if if I call somebody out, they're going to be mad. If I don't call somebody out, they're going to be mad. It's like a (laughs) lose-lose. Lose-lose. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. All right, are you ready? Yes. Who is the best locker room DJ? Oh, Marcus Holman. He's our only locker room DJ, for sure. Perfect. He's the only person allowed to play music in the locker room. Gave you a softball there for the first one. Yeah, that was easy. Okay, good. All right, we're good. All right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Who's most likely to be late? <laughs> Mark McNeil or Stephen Kelly, because <laughs> they actually were late. So definitely those two. <laughs> Who is the messiest on the team? That's a good one. Trying to think about who had a messy locker. We we had some rules in place for when the locker room when we left the locker room, so it's pretty tough to tell. Um, I'm just gonna throw the rookie under the bus and say Jack um, Rapine is the messiest, so he, he gets that title just because he's the youngest. And he gets and he's and he's a rookie. Who's the funniest teammate? Uh, Brian me. Yo, you can't say yourself. Yeah. No, I can't think myself. Well, humble brag. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think our locker room dynamic is like, there's some guys who are, you know, outspoken, but then there's also some guys who have some really good one-liners. Um, funniest teammate. Gosh. Uh, let's go. I'm going to go with Tom Schreiber, actually. I can so see Tom that. is like someone where, unless you're like, get to know him and you're around him a lot, he's got some really good one-liners and some really, some really good jokes. So I'll go, I'll go with Tom if I can't go with myself. <laughs> Who is the dad of the team? Like, who always takes care of everyone, makes sure, like, everyone is in line? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I'm just going to go with Drew Adams because he's the oldest and he's a dad. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> so, so, so I think by the very nature, like, we obviously he's, like, probably the wisest guy on the team. And um, I definitely say, you know, probably has, you know, really good insight and, you know, when he speaks, you know, the locker room, you can hear a pin drop because obviously, you know, he's a vet and not a lot of guys, I always, we all respect, you know, how long he's been playing and what he's able to be doing the game of lacrosse. What's the biggest bromance in the locker room? It's tough. It, it might be a tie between Marcus and Will mm-hmm. and Gettleman and Scott. I think, I think, I think those two, yeah, those, those, those that's, a, that's a close one right there. Um, maybe, maybe Will and Marcus edge out the other two because they, you know, obviously they work together at Utah. Um, but, but definitely gets, gets it, Scott. They, they're, they're boys, man. They love each other. (laughs) Who is the smartest teammate? 
Oh. You got a lot of smart guys on your team, too. Yeah, I mean, well, that's relative, honestly. Are you talking about, like, like, street smart or job smart? I mean, we got a bunch of guys who have some really good like, jobs. I guess, uh, like, let's say book smart. smart. Book smart. I, I'm just going to yeah. say uh, Mike Simon because he uses, he uses a lot of big words. I'm not sure if anyone around knows what they're using. Like, we kind of tried to call him out a couple times, but I'm going to go, Tree might have to be the smartest guy on the team for sure. Which teammate would you trust to babysit your future child? Probably none of them, honestly. <laughs> it's because I know the best teammates. You know, but who knows what condition I'm going to get those, that kid back in if I let anyone. Um, probably Tyler Fister. He, he lives local here in Columbus. Yeah. He's got two twin girls, so probably him. Besides that, it's, it's really rolling the dice with any of those other guys. <laughs> Which teammate would you want to be stranded on a deserted island with? I'm going to go with Tyler Fister. He's like an outdoors type dude. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, like, fishes here. He hasn't taken me on a fishing trip. I've been asking him to go take me out fishing for a while now, but he just keeps ignoring my calls. Um, so I'm going to go with him. I feel like he's, he's a, he, can, he can live off the land and, and definitely help out, probably help me more than I can help myself. All right, final question. There's a lot of nice guys on the Archers. Who would you say is the nicest teammate? Ooh. Like, all around, just, just nice guy. guy. <laughs> nicest guy. Oh. Uh, Ryan Ambler. Yes, good choice. Ryan Ambler. Yeah, Ryan Ambler is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, we've got it. We've got a great, you know, team dynamic. We've got a lot of guys, you know, nice guys on our team and, you know, guys who, you know, respect the game or respect each other as teammates. Um, but I'd definitely go with Ryan. Good answer. All right. Well, that is where we'll end it. Thank Good. you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. I can't wait for baby Alexander. Yes. Yep, we'll get we'll get the archers gear going. Archers gear galore. The yeah. onesie. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get some pictures on there for sure. Keep everybody updated. So cute. If you're looking for girl names, um, Lisa is a really good one. <laughs> Emma is also. Emma's a really fun. good one. <laughs> I'll, I'll add it to the list. We've got we've got a chart. We've got a chart right now. We're we're starting to work through the names and kind of make sure we're prepared for you know both the boy and a girl. So I'll, I'll add that to the chart. And yeah, see add works. those to the chart. Add them yeah. to the chart and put them to the top. <laughs> All right, we'll do. All right, Dominique. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, guys. This podcast is brought to you by our incredible friends at Ticketmaster, the official presenting sponsor of the PLL. Ticketmaster has all of your needs when it comes to concerts, sporting events, arts and theater, and much more. To check out everything they have to offer, head to Ticketmaster.com or open up the Ticketmaster app. Again, Ticketmaster.com or open up the Ticketmaster app. That is our episode for today. Next week, we are going to have Chaos Attackman Curtis Dixon. Yes, he ready for that. It's a soft, he's a quiet, like, soft interview, like, speaker, but he, like, is so dynamic on the field, and he's, like, a huge chirper, kind of, mm-hmm. he's like, on good. social media. Yeah. He's confident, but, like, it's good. But, yes, we have him on the podcast, because he just absolutely crushed this season, and so yeah. we have to get him on. But before we go, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and please leave us a review. Make sure you also follow us at The Inside Feed on Twitter and Instagram and at LisaRevin29 and at Emma Dams on IG. You can also follow Dominique at DAlexander underscore 23 on IG and at Mr. underscore Alexander 23 on Twitter. 
follow him so you can get updates on baby Alexander. Baby Alexander countdown starts now. <laughs> December 7th. I mean, maybe you can follow my feed as we will have a countdown. We have, to have a countdown every episode. <laughs> seven days until baby Alexander. <laughs> well, for sure. All right, guys. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. For the record, I'm done trying to make y'all comfortable. 